Welcome to the Bible in 260 podcast, the podcast that brings you through the entire Bible in 260 days. Have you ever wanted to read the whole Bible but struggled to do so? This podcast is meant to help you do it. With five 15 to 20 minute episodes per week, you will hear the entire Bible read to you. There will also be occasional brief notes to help explain context, as well as a concluding question or thought to consider. So welcome to the Bible in 260 podcast, your journey through the Bible in 260 days. Welcome to episode 172. Today, as we look at various passages from the Bible, we'll see a theme running throughout that God is a God who saves. We'll be looking in one sense at God's salvation. And as we do this, we'll notice that there's justice, there's righteousness, there's judgment that surrounds all of it. But that the God who's described here is a God who saves people, who brings them to himself, who shows mercy and grace to those who seek him and put their trust in him. And so while this is a sobering thought in some ways, it is also an incredibly hope-filled set of passages that we'll read today. We'll begin today then in Isaiah 26. At that time, this song will be sung in the land of Judah. We have a strong city. The Lord's deliverance, like walls and a rampart, makes it secure. Open the gates so a righteous nation can enter, one that remains trustworthy. You will keep completely safe the people who maintain their faith, for they trust in you. Trust in the Lord from this time forward, even in Yah, the Lord, an enduring protector. Indeed, the Lord knocks down those who live in a high place. He brings down an elevated town. He brings it down to the ground. He throws it, to the da- he throws it down to the dust. It is trampled underfoot by the feet of the oppressed, by the souls of the poor. The way of the righteous is level. The path of the righteous that you prepare is straight. Yes, as your judgments unfold, O Lord, we wait for you. We desire your fame and reputation to grow. I look for you during the night. My spirit within me seeks you at dawn. For when your judgments come upon the earth, those who live in the world learn about justice. If the wicked are shown mercy, they do not learn about justice. Even in a land where right is rewarded, they act unjustly. They do not see the Lord's majesty revealed. O Lord, you are ready to act, but they don't even notice. They will see and be put to shame by your angry judgment against humankind. Yes, fire will consume your enemies. O Lord, you make us secure, for even all we have accomplished you have done for us. O Lord, our God, masters of other than you have ruled us, but we praise your name alone. The dead do not come back to life. The spirits of the dead do not rise. That is because you came in judgment and destroyed them. You wiped out all memory of them. You have made the nation larger, O Lord. You have made the nation larger and revealed your splendor. You have extended all the borders of the land. O Lord, in distress they looked for you. They uttered incantations because of your discipline. As when a pregnant woman gets ready to deliver and strains and cries out because of her labor pains, so we were because of you, O Lord. We were pregnant, we strained, we gave birth, as it were, to wind. We cannot produce deliverance on the earth. No people are born to populate the world. Your dead will come back to life. Your corpses will rise up. Wake up and shout joyfully, you who live on the gr- in the ground, for you will grow like plants drenched with the morning dew, and the earth will bring forth its dead spirits. Go, my people, enter your inner rooms, close the doors behind you, hide for a little while until his angry judgment is over. For look, the Lord is coming out of the place where he lives to punish the sin of those who live on the earth. The earth will display the blood shed on it, and it will no longer cover up its slain. 
At that time, the Lord will punish with his destructive, great, and powerful sword, Leviathan, the fast-moving serpent, Leviathan, the squirming serpent. He will kill the sea monster. When that time comes, sing about the delightful vineyard. I, the Lord, protect it. I water it regularly. I guard it night and day, so no one can harm it. I am not angry. I wish I could confront some thorns and briars. Then I would march against them for battle. I would set them all on fire, unless they became my subjects and made peace with me. Let them make peace with me. The time is coming when Jacob will take root. Israel will blossom and grow branches. The produce will fill the surface of the world. Has the Lord struck down Israel as he did their oppressors? Has Israel been killed like their enemies? When you summon her for divorce, you prosecute her. He drives her away with his strong wind in the day of the east wind. So in this way, Jacob's sin will be forgiven. And this is how they will show that they are finished sinning. They will make all the stones of the altars like crushed limestone, and the Asherah poles and the incense altars will no longer stand. For the fortified city is left alone. It is a deserted settlement and abandoned like the wilderness. Calves graze there. They lie down there and eat its branches bare. When its branches get brittle, they break. Women come and use them for kindling, for these people lack understanding. Therefore, the one who made them has no compassion on them. The one who formed them has no mercy on them. At that time, the Lord will shake the tree from the Euphrates River to the stream of Egypt. Then you will be gathered up one by one, O Israelites. At that time, a large trumpet will be blown, and the ones lost in the land of Assyria will come, as well as the refugees in the land of Egypt. They will worship the Lord on the holy mountain in Jerusalem. The splendid crown of Ephraim's drunkards is doomed. The withering flower, its beautiful splendor, situated at the head of, the rich, of a rich valley, the crown of those overcome with wine. Look, the Lord sends a strong, powerful one. With the force of a hailstorm or a destructive windstorm, with the might of a driving torrential rainstorm, he will knock that crown to the ground with his hand. The splendid crown of Ephraim's drunkards will be trampled underfoot. The withering flower, its beautiful splendor, situated at the head of a rich valley, will be like an early fig before harvest. As soon as someone notices it, he grabs it and swallows it. At that time, the Lord of Heaven's armies will become a beautiful crown and a splendid diadem for the remnant of his people. He will give discernment to the one who makes judicial decisions and strength to those who defend the city from attackers. Even these men stagger because of wine. They stumble around because of beer. Priests and prophets stagger because of beer. They are confused because of wine. They stumble around because of beer. They stagger while seeing prophetic visions. They totter while making legal decisions. Indeed, all the tables are covered with vomit, with filth, leaving no clean place. Who is the Lord trying to teach? To whom is he explaining a message? To those just weaned from milk, to those just taken from their mother's breast. Indeed, they will hear meaningless, gibberish, senseless babbling, a syllable here, a syllable there. For with mocking lips and a foreign tongue, he will speak to these people. In the past, he said to them, this is where security can be found. Provide security for the one who is exhausted. This is where rest can be found. But they refuse to listen. So the Lord's message to them will sound like meaningless gibberish, a senseless babbling, a syllable here and a syllable there. As a result, they will fall on their backsides when they try to walk and be injured and snared and captured. Therefore, listen to the Lord's message, you who mock, you rulers of these people who reside in Jerusalem. For you say, we have made a treaty with death, with Sheol we have made an agreement. When the overwhelming judgment sweeps by, it will not reach us. For we have made a lie a refuge. We have hidden ourselves in a deceitful word. Therefore, 
This is what the Sovereign Lord says. Look, I am laying a stone in Zion, an approved stone, set in place as a precious cornerstone for the foundation. The one who maintains his faith will not panic. I will make justice the measuring line, fairness the plumb line. Hail will sweep away the unreliable refuge. The floodwaters will overwhelm the hidden hiding place. Your treaty with death will be dissolved. Your agreement with Sheol will not last. When the overwhelming judgment sweeps by, you will be overrun by it. Whenever it sweeps by, it will overtake you. Indeed, every morning it will sweep by. It will come through during the day and night. When this announcement is understood, it will cause nothing but terror. For the bed is too short to stretch out on, and the blanket is too narrow to wrap around oneself. For the Lord will rise up as he did at Mount Perazim. He will rouse himself as he did in the valley of Gibeon to accomplish his work, his particular work, to perform his task, his strange task. So now, do not mock, or your chains will become heavier. For I have heard a message about decreed destruction from the sovereign Lord of heaven's armies, armies against the entire land. Pay attention and listen to my message. Be attentive and listen to what I say. Does a farmer just keep on plowing at planting time? Does he break, keep breaking up and harrowing his ground? Once he has leveled its surface, does he not scatter the seed of the caraway plant, sow the seed of the cumin plant, and plant the wheat, barley, and grain in their designated places? His God instructs him. He teaches him the principles of agriculture. Certainly caraway seed is not threshed with a sledge, nor is the wheel of a cart rolled over the cumin seed. Certainly caraway seed is beaten with a stick and cumin seed with a flail. Grain is crushed, though one certainly does not thresh it forever. The wheel of one's wagons roll over it, but his horses do not crush it. This also comes from the Lord of Heaven's armies, who gives supernatural guidance and imparts great wisdom. Ariel is as good as dead. Ariel, the town David besieged. Keep observing your annual rituals. Celebrate your festivals on schedule. I will threaten Ariel and she will mourn intensely and become like an altar hearth before me. I will lay siege to you on all sides. I will besiege you with troops. I will raise siege works against you. You will fail while lying, fall while lying on the ground. You will speak. From the dust where you lie, your words will be heard. Your voice will sound like a spirit speaking from the underworld. From the dust you will chirp as if muttering an incantation. But the horde of invaders will be like fine dust, the horde of tyrants like chaff that is blown away. It will happen suddenly in a flash. Judgment will come from the Lord of Heaven's armies, accompanied by thunder, earthquake, and a loud noise, by a strong gale, a windstorm, and a consuming flame of fire. It will be like a dream, a night vision. There will be a horde from the nations that fight against Ariel, those who attack her and her stronghold and besiege her. It will be like a hungry man dreaming that he is eating, only to awaken and find that his stomach is empty. It will be like a thirsty man dreaming that he is drinking, only to awaken and find that he is still weak and his thirst unquenched. So it will be for the horde from all the nations that fight against Mount Zion. You will be shocked and amazed. You are totally blind. They are drunk, but not because of wine. They stagger, but not because of beer. For the Lord has poured out on you a strong urge to sleep deeply. He has shut your eyes, you prophets, and covered your heads, you seers. To you, this entire prophetic revelation is like words in a sealed scroll. When they hand it to the one who can read it and say, Read this, he responds, I can't because it's sealed. Or when they hand the scroll to one who can't read and say, Read this, he says, I can't read. The Lord says, These people say they are loyal to me. They say wonderful things about me, but they are not really loyal to me. Their worship consists of nothing but man-made ritual. Therefore, I will again do an amazing thing for these people. 
an absolutely extraordinary deed. Wise men will have nothing to say. The sages will have no explanations. Those who try to hide their plans from the Lord are as good as dead, who do their work in secret and boast, saying, Who sees us? Who knows what we're doing? Your thinking is perverse. Should the potter be regarded as clay? Should the thing made say about its maker, He didn't make me? Or should the pottery say about the potter, He doesn't understand? In just a very short time, Lebanon will turn into an orchard, and an orchard will be considered a forest. At that time, the deaf will be able to hear words read from the scroll, and the eyes of the blind will be able to see through deep darkness. The downtrodden will again rejoice in the Lord, but the poor among humankind will take delight in the Holy One of Israel. For tyrants will disappear, those who taunt will vanish, and all those who love to do wrong will be eliminated. Those who bear false testimony against a person, who entrap the one who arbitrates at the city gate, and deprive the innocent of justice by making false charges. So this is what the Lord, the one who delivered Abraham, has said to the family of Jacob. Jacob will no longer be ashamed. Their faces will no longer show their embarrassment. For when they see their children, whom I will produce among them, they will honor my name. They will honor the Holy One of Jacob. They will respect the God of Israel. Those who stray morally will gain understanding. Those who complain will acquire insight. And so we finish this piece from Isaiah, the section that shows this back and forth between God saying he'll save his people, then bringing judgment on those who do not trust him, who do not turn to him, and then again showing grace and mercy and back and forth it goes. And this is what happens throughout the book of Isaiah. And it's a good reminder that the God who is a God of salvation is a God who is calling out to his people to turn back to him and not to do so just in ritual or going through the motions, as some might say, but to do so from the deepness of their hearts and their souls in realness and in honesty and authenticity. And an example of this praising God from the heart comes from Psalm 65, a psalm of David that speaks and worships, in a sense, God and praises him for his salvation. Psalm 65. For the music director, a psalm of David, a song. Praise awaits you, O God in Zion. Vows made to you are fulfilled. You hear prayers. All people approach you. Our record of sins overwhelms me. But you forgive our acts of rebellion. How blessed is the one whom you choose and allow to live in your palace courts. May we be satisfied with the good things of your house, your holy palace. You answer our prayers by performing awesome acts of deliverance, O God, our Savior. All the ends of the earth trust in you, as well as those living across the wide seas. You created the mountains by your power and demonstrated your strength. You calmed the raging seas and the roaring waves, as well as the commotion made by the nations. Even those living in the remotest areas are awestruck by your acts. You cause those living in the east and west to praise you. You visit the earth and give it rain. You make it rich and fertile. God's streams are full of water. You provide grain for the people of the earth, for you have prepared the earth in this way. You saturate its furrows and soak its plowed ground. With rain showers, you soften its soil and make its crops grow. You crown the year with your good blessings and leave abundance in your wake. The pastures in the wilderness glisten with moisture and the hills are clothed with joy. The meadows are clothed with sheep and the valleys are covered with grain. They shout joyfully. Yes, they sing. What a wonderful psalm of praise to God for his salvation, for his provision, for the way that he is the God who we truly need and supplies all that we truly need in him. And this leads uh, us to 1 Corinthians 4, where the Apostle Paul, in light of God's mercy, grace, and salvation, is explaining how to live 
the Christian life and certain matters of life, including uh, judgment, including working hard for God, including being a servant of God as a response to God's salvation of him. And so 1 Corinthians 4. One should think, says the Apostle Paul, about us in this way, as servants of Christ and stewards of the mysteries of God. Now what is sought in stewards is that one can be found faithful. So for me, it is a minor matter that I am judged by you or by any human court. In fact, I do not even judge myself. For I am not aware of anything against myself, but I am not acquitted because of this. The one who judges me is the Lord. So then, do not judge anything before the time. Wait until the Lord comes. He will bring to light the hidden things of darkness and reveal the motives of hearts. Then each will receive recognition from God. I have applied these things to myself and Apollos because of you, brothers and sisters, so that through us you may learn not to go beyond what is written, so that none of you will be puffed up in favor of the one against the other. For who concedes you any superiority? What do you have that you did not receive? And if you did receive it, why do you boast as though you did not? Already you are satisfied. Already you are rich. You have become kings without us. I wish you had become kings so that we could reign with you. For, I think, God has exhibited us apostles, last of all, as men condemned to die, because we have become a spectacle to the world, both to angels and to people. We are fools for Christ, but you are wise in Christ. We are weak, but but you are strong. You are distinguished, we are dishonored. To the present hour, we are hungry and thirsty, poorly clothed, brutally treated, and without a roof over our heads. We do hard work, toiling with our own hands. When we are verbally abused, we respond with blessing. When persecuted, we endure. When people lie about us, we answer in a friendly manner. We are the world's dirt and scum, even now. I am not writing these things to shame you, but to correct you as my dear children. For though you may have ten thousand guardians in Christ, you do not have many fathers, because I became your father in Christ Jesus through the gospel. I encourage you then, be imitators of me. For this reason I have sent Timothy to you, who is my dear and faithful son in the Lord. He will remind you of my ways in Christ, as I teach them everywhere in every church. Some have become arrogant, as if I were not coming to you. But I will come to you soon, if the Lord is willing, and I will find out not only the talk of these arrogant people, but also their power. For the kingdom of God is demonstrated not in idle talk, but with power. What do you want? Shall I come to you with a rod of discipline, or with love and a spirit of gentleness? And we'll leave it right there because the next chapter actually addresses, the Apostle Paul addresses a major issue in the church in Corinth of discipline that was needed because people were behaving in ways that were very different than those that God said is is summarized by loving God and loving your neighbor. And through this chapter, though, just a reminder as we finished it, what an amazing thing the Apostle Paul is saying that ultimately we all stand before God It's only because God has shown us grace and mercy by his gift that we can stand with any kind of confidence before God, not on our own record, but what has been done for us by Jesus. And that means Paul is saying we're free from having to worry about the judgment of God in the sense of being condemned to eternal death. At the same time, we're motivated to love God and to serve him and to be humbly asking, what can I do? How can I serve? What can I do to become the least in a sense of all saints so that I can be a blessing to others? 
And that kind of humility and confidence mixed together is a mark of truly understanding God's salvation. And it's a mark that reminds us that ultimately all that we have and all that we can think of is all a gift from God. What an amazing salvation we receive from Jesus and what an amazing God, this God of salvation. Thanks for listening to the Bible in 260 podcast. May what you have heard speak to your heart and mind today. The scriptures quoted are from the Net Bible, HTTP, netbible.com, copyright 1996, 2019, used with permission from Biblical Studies Press, LLC, all rights reserved. Our theme song for the podcast is The Call by Emily Ruth. You can find The Call and other music by Emily Ruth on Apple Music or Spotify or wherever you find your music.